Podcast. My name is Tyler Bublitz, and welcome back to the seventh Sunday after Pentecost for the week of July 11, 2021, and I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to dig into this week's podcast, and I'm excited because this is a unique week. I think in a lot of ways, it's kind of a difficult week. The gospel text, as you'll see, is not necessarily the most uplifting text initially, but I think it does give us a lot of challenge and a lot of things to be thinking about and considering, and that's sometimes what we need the most. And I can already tell just by preparing for this podcast this week, this is going to be a little bit of a harder podcast. This is going to be a knife that cuts a little bit deeper than we typically get, but I think it's necessary. I think it's needed, and I think that's kind of where we're at as a global society. We need to be able to get to these hard issues and at times be willing to listen and hear them out. And I think that's one of the things that's so hard for us right now, and I don't entirely know why, but it's definitely the case. But before we jump into this week's podcast, we have to look at last week's Twitter question, which was, where are you allowing yourself to be weak to let God in? And I got a really good answer this week from one of our loyal listeners. And this person brought up that there's a lot of ways that they feel vulnerable between climate change, cybercrime, world hunger. And to quote them, they say, There's times where you have to say, God, I can't fix this at this time. You will have to take care of us. And I think that's something we all as people have a difficult time doing, especially here in the United States. We like the feel of being in control. We enjoy that feeling of not feeling weak, not feeling vulnerable, not feeling like I am dependent on someone else. And yet that's exactly what our faith is calling us to do. It is exactly calling us to be weak, to be vulnerable, to open up and be willing and able to be that way with God. And that's sometimes I think what's so hard for us to do is to be in that place where we are like, yeah, this is me. This is where I am right now. And God, I need you to be able and willing to do that for me right now. It's just, I can't control this and I'm needing your help. And I think that's the hard thing with vulnerability. It's the hard thing. One of the hard parts of faith is just being that vulnerable to be able to have that relationship with God. But that also then means we have to be willing and able to do that with each other also. So let's just jump into this week's text. The Old Testament semi-continuous text is from 2 Samuel chapter 6, verses 1 to 5 and 12b to 19. And if you're talking about this text, I would highly recommend looking at 6 through 12a, kind of at least recognizing that. So remember that this is last week we had King David getting anointed over the northern kingdom and kind of recognizing what he had done. And now we're kind of continuing on. They've just conquered Jerusalem again, and David is deciding to move the capital city to Jerusalem to try to unite the two kingdoms again. And in doing that, it means that they need to move the Ark of the Covenant. And in the verses that are omitted, it's kind of a dark image of God for a brief moment. This person tries to catch the Ark of the Covenant as it appears to be stumbling out and gets killed by God right there on the spot. And so in that, it kind of angers David and makes for an interesting discussion back and forth. And yet the verses that we get here is when they get through that and when they get to the point where they are ready to bring it in, 
that there is a lot of rejoicing. And it's the remembrance in this place of what God is doing for them and how God is willing to, because they were willing to put God in the center, even though it's difficult, as we will see in the upcoming weeks. But there is blessings that come with that. There, there is things to be cheerful and praise God for. The psalm that goes with that is Psalm 24, all 10 verses. And this is a psalm, again, recognizing the power of God and how look at all these different things that God does. But then also in doing that, if we are willing and able to put ourselves in this place that we are striving to be, what God is striving us to be, that there are blessings, that there is salvation, there are things that God will continue to then have happened for us. There are things that God wants to give to us, but it also means that it's like any relationship. It has to be a give and take, and there has to be then this recognition of God being all-powerful and this recognition of I can only do so much, and yet what I can do is I can give praise to God. The other Old Testament reading is from Amos chapter 7, verses 7 to 15. This is a brief moment that we're in Amos. Amos is an unlikely prophet and is a farmer and gets a couple different messages with God, gets a cool role of being able to talk back and forth with God and saying, is this really the best case? This one is the third kind of message coming from God. And it's kind of difficult because we use the word plumb line. It's the only time, the three times that the word plumb line is used in the text gets used in the whole Bible, we can tell it's for construction and probably for constructing a straight wall. So that's why we use the word plumb line. But essentially, it's the imagery that the people need to turn back toward God so that they can be going down the straight path, going down the way God's wanting them to go. The king at the time kind of dismisses Amos and says, aren't you just a farmer? Just why are you in this position to be telling me what to do? And we kind of get right here at the end, coming from verse 14. Amos then answered, I am no prophet nor a prophet's son, but I am a herdsman and a dresser of sycamores. And the Lord took me from following the flock. And the Lord said to me, go, prophesy to my people Israel. Verses 14 and 15. So God pulling a typical everyday person and then saying, go, I need you to talk to my people. So this idea, again, of being able to take us and move us into extraordinary places, again, and the blessings and different things that God are wanting us to do as long as we are following and realizing that. And it leads into the psalm this week, which is Psalm 85, verses 8 through 13. And it's recognition, yet again, that God has different things that he wants to give to his people. If we're willing to do that, that there is salvation for those who fear him. There is steadfast love and faithfulness will meet. Righteousness and peace will kiss each other. These ideas of God being so good and God then being willing and able to go and make these things that seem almost contradictory at times come together, but it all comes from a reliance and dependence on God. The New Testament text this week is from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 to 14. So, first, we got to give you a fun fact that I picked up from Working Preacher this week. Verses 3 to 14 in the original Greek is one sentence. 
So as you're looking at that, just a fun fact to be thinking about. Why? This is a, we'll be in Ephesians now for seven weeks. This is something that's going to be a bit of a challenging text later on. But it's the recognition, again, if we're following God, look at these different blessings that God wants to do. He wants to adopt us as children. And, you know, look at what God then would be able to bestow upon us, the blessings, the redemption, how he wants to lavish us with these different things, the inheritance that God has for us as long as we are continuing to hear and believe the truth of salvation that is given to us in Jesus Christ. And so this is, again, just laying out this theme that we've been hearing from all the texts this week. And I just think it's so amazing to be thinking about that and and contemplating what are these different things, the inheritance that God has for us, he wants to give us as long as we believe and follow and give praise to God. And that then gets juxtaposed with the gospel text this week, which is Mark chapter 6, verses 14 to 29. couple things that we need to recognize. One, this picks up right where we left off last week. So Jesus goes to his hometown, does a few minor things, sends his disciples out to go and do. This story comes up, and then next week we'll have the disciples coming back. This is King Herod at the time recognizing that he thinks Jesus could be John the baptizer and telling the story of what happened to John the Baptist at this time. So Herod is king. He has John the baptizer locked up, but keeps having him kind of come around. He is interested in what he has to say. He doesn't fully want to believe it, but at least finds him intriguing. He decides to have this party, and first, before the party, we have to get into a little bit of King Herod's history. King Herod had a brother. His brother married Herodias. Herodias dies. King Herod decides to marry his brother's wife. And John the baptizer kind of said, this really isn't what you should be doing. He did it anyways. Now we're fast forward, we're at this party. King Herod is probably drunk and having his both niece and daughter-in-law dancing for the group. We'll leave it at that. He then says to her, whatever you want, it's yours. If you want half the kingdom, it's yours. The girl doesn't know what she wants. She goes to her mother, what do you want? What should we ask for? John the baptizer's head on a platter. She goes back. The king is kind of devastated by this and is put in between this rock and a hard place of, do I do what I said that I was going to do, or do I not do this and say, that's kind of off the table? Tells the guards to go chop the head of John the baptizer, brings it in on a platter, and the girl gave it to her mother. And then right at the end, we have the disciples of John the baptizer then lay his body to rest in a tomb, which is interesting because not even Jesus' own disciples, it had to be kind of more far-reaching disciples, did that. And also kind of gets a bit of a foretelling of what is to come. So, before we jump into how faith and science come together this week, we have to do our shameless plug. Boom! Working Preacher, if you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it between their Sermon Brainwaves podcast, their commentaries and discussions. Since I'm not an ordained minister, I use them on a weekly basis, and I already brought it up that I've used them this week. So if you haven't checked out Working Preacher, 
I'd highly recommend it. The other resource that I really enjoy using is the lectionary coming from Vanderbilt.edu. It's a great place to be able to have all the text together in one place, along with that they bring in more of the historical art perspective, which can give you a lot of different insights into looking at these texts. So if you haven't checked out the lectionary coming from Vanderbilt.edu or workingpreacher.org, I'd highly recommend both of those sources. These texts, I think, open the door to a difficult topic. And it gets into a little bit what we got from the loyal listener this week of being vulnerable and willing and able to trust God with what is going on. I look at the Old Testament readings and the New Testament reading outside the gospel as these texts of God has things that God wants to bestow upon us. But we have to put God at the center of our lives. And that sometimes is going to be really, really difficult. And we get the story of King Herod where he gets to this point where he is been had John the Baptizer coming to him and he's he's intrigued by what he has to say. Coming from verse 20. For Herod feared John, knowing that he was a righteous and holy man, and he protected him. When he heard him, he was greatly perplexed and yet liked to listen to him. That, to me, says a lot of what King Herod was about at that moment. This news of what John was trying to tell was interesting, fascinating, things that was difficult, challenging, and yet didn't want to listen. And then we get this change up in the story where now we're having a birthday party for King Herod and he's then gets perplexed by his own daughter and gets consumed with the moment with what is all going on and it backfires. King Herod got consumed with the world compared to being consumed with the heavenly kingdom would be one way of looking at it being on this side of the cross. So how does this tie to faith and science, Tyler? I feel that that's exactly this moment of where King Herod is. It's exactly where we are at as a society. Over the last year and a half, we've had a lot of challenges. We had to go through a lot of obstacles and different things. And one of the things that I think most of us were able to experience in some way is our world slowing down in some way. That we had to simplify things. And in doing that, we started to recognize the beauty of the things that were around us. And if you look, there are multiple stories around the world talking about people's spark and interest in birds and nature in and of itself because it was one of the things that we could go and do and you wouldn't have to worry about it. A lot of people adopted pets and which was great for animal shelters at the time because then you had where animal shelters were literally saying we are out of pets to adopt. But as I was even seeing this week from a story, that's now changing as the world is charting to get its economic model rolling. People now are returning those pets to shelters because they don't fit in with their schedule. And for me, as I'm looking as a environmentalist myself, and I've looked at the water issues and heat issues that we're having in the Southwest, a part of the United States, the issues that we're having with even different phantom bird diseases that we're still trying to figure out, and yet the drum of climate change seems to be being pounded louder and louder. And the question that I have is at what point are we going to value the gift of what God has given us 
the garden that we were told in Genesis chapter 2 and 3 to take care of and then put to the side, at least for a moment, for a while, economics. Are we so driven by the U.S. dollar or so driven by the bottom line that we are overlooking the other gifts that have been given? We have had a year and a half to be able to reflect and think about what is honestly important in our lives. And are we going to throw it away? Are we going to throw away the reflection, the deep thoughts, the things that made us question what was important in our lives? To just go back to what we would say now, based on that we were still able to get through it, a pretty broken model that we were in. At what point do we recognize that life is so much more and we're having places where that's even being thought about, even just from a work week perspective, Ireland experimenting and showing that a 36-hour work week in a lot of cases is as productive as a 40-hour work week and doing it in four days instead of five. And I think about just from that perspective, does that make a small change in our ability to maybe start making the curve and recognizing just by the less commuting, maybe that helps in a small way reduce our environmental impact? When are we going to start recognizing that the groans that are coming from our environment, the different issues that are going on, the things that keep seeming to get worse, and it's the earth crying out to us saying, I thought you were starting to notice. I thought you were starting to care. Looking back a couple weeks ago where Jesus heals the woman who is hemorrhaging, the one that's been going through this for 12 years, the one who is being overlooked, at what point do we start recognizing that the environment and the world in which we're in is that woman? And the reason to me that this comes to a head is this text is Herod is at a moment where he can either deny himself and say, you know, when I was saying that, I know I said anything. Even though I'm Herod, I don't want to kill this guy. I'm intrigued by him and I've been protecting him. And yeah, I'm going to keep protecting him because there's something about this guy. I don't know what it is. That's off the table. But instead, because he was afraid probably of the embarrassment in front of all the other guests and does not want to refuse her coming from verse 26, he tells them to go and cut John's head off. He's deeply grieved. At what point do we recognize that we are doing the same thing to ourselves? And the thing that to me is, what blessings did Herod give up at that time? We are talked about by believing and putting our faith in God instead of something else. That there are blessings and all these inheritances that God wants to be able to bestow upon us. But like any teenager, it's not just all of a sudden given all at once. It's something that has to be done over time as you continue to show that that is what your character is. What is our character to God in this time when God's saying, take care of this, and are we actually doing that? We are at an inflection moment as the world is starting to come back into some sense of order in some places. I think this question comes up. Are we going to recognize that the pandemic has not hit the world evenly across the board? And even as certain areas are doing better than other areas, are we then going to say, well, that sucks to be you and we're going to go back to what we are doing and quit caring about COVID-19 because we're done with that? 
Or are we going to show compassion and actually start showing like, yeah, we're going to be in the trenches with you and we're going to work through this because as a global community, we have to get through this, not just as individual countries or individual states. If we take that second model, do we then start recognizing, you know, there's a lot of effects and things that we're doing maybe as a developed nation that is actually hurting a lot of countries and maybe we can figure out some way to actually help raise all of us. And in that process, maybe we start recognizing that the world is saying there's a lot of things that I really wish you would be addressing and just being more aware to. And maybe, yes, it's hard. It's difficult. It means that you're changing economic models. It's changing how we do business. But isn't that what Christ did when he came initially? Jesus changed the whole economic, social climate, political climate at the time. We've had a major event that changed the whole world. And we're going to go back to business as usual? All the time where we spent recognizing the beauty of things that were around us, the things that we had taken for granted, and we're just going to throw that away? We're just craving something that was so broken and that we talked about early in this pandemic on how much it was nice to be able to be at a slower tempo where to throw that all away. All the things were the time that people took raising chickens or acknowledging bird species or growing their own garden or taking small changes in environmental steps. The times even on this podcast, we talked about different things that we were noticing environmentally around the world that were shifting because we had this drastic change and how cool it that actually was. We're just going to let that all go. For what? For our own vanity? For our own things that we see as valuable? And is that not them putting that ahead of God, which is literally breaking the first commandment, our zealous God? And we see that in this text this week. We see that in the second Samuel text. The verses that were omitted, that God is a zealous God. He likes things done God's way. And yet still gives us free will. And God's been there since the beginning of time. And yet we think we have answers. When God's saying, I'm wanting you to be straight, are we going to be the king and say no? Or are we even Amos in that God's telling us, I need you to go and do this. And I'm a farmer. What do you think? I'm not doing this. That you got the wrong guy. And then we miss out on these different things that God is wanting to be able to show us, to give us, to explore with us, to tap into the natural gifts of what God has made us to be. We're willing to throw that all away because this is the way we've done it and this is the way that we always should have it. We're not even going to explore the option of what God, beautiful creation, is trying to maybe teach us, trying to help us recognize. Or what about the things that we discovered about ourselves in those moments of peace with God? How about those times where we slowed down enough during this pandemic that we understood and started recognizing that we need to do that? The things we learned about ourselves in the last 15 months, did they not matter? What is the last year and a half actually meant? Do we not value each other as much as we say we do? Do we not value the world in which we all inhabit as something of value? This gospel text to me is a text that puts us right where we are right now. Are we going to go back to this old model that values human things? 
and says that's so valuable that we work so hard for. And in the end, what does it actually do? What blessings does it actually bring that are sustaining throughout my whole life and beyond this life? And don't get me wrong, there are good things that do come from money, but if we put money ahead of God, we have a zealous God. The science shows in many, many cases, time and time and time again, that we are having an effect. And it's showing that we are having an impact. And I feel like at moments in 2020, we were starting to see the what that impact actually was. And if we actually slowed down to smell the roses and noticed the insect on the petal that's struggling and didn't just pass by but started to wonder why. We actually spent the time to wonder last year. We imagined a new style of workplace and there's plenty of things that brings up and that plenty of problems but in certain ways there were certain things that were good about it and do we need to still balance those out and figure that out? Sure. But I think we also started to recognize the things around us that were outside of humans that need help too. So the Twitter question this week is going to cut deep. Where do you see us as a world community putting human things ahead of God things? Where do you see us as a world community putting human things ahead of God things? Part two to that question, what are we going to do about it? Because it's one thing that's pointed out. It's another thing to change it. What are we going to do about this? What are we going to do about putting our human understanding of what life is about and what's valuable ahead of what God is trying to do? Because to me, what is hard about it is what am I even missing out on because I say that this is important or that's important and I can't do this or I can't do that, even if God's wanting me to do that? What amazing things is God doing? wanting to be able to do that we just overlook because that's just not the way to do it. It doesn't seem logical. What are you doing for your future? This is what I know. As far as we know, there is one place that we can live. And from how I read scripture, we are told that we have one place in which we were told to garden and take care of. And I want to make sure that I'm doing that. And when I'm looking around and seeing things where they're saying there are problems, I as a human being need to look and address how do I as an individual start making changes. There's been things this year that I have not done as well as years past with my ecological footprint. So what am I going to do about it to be a better neighbor for not only me but and not only for future generations but just for people around me and across the globe from me? What little ways and little steps can I challenge the ideas to make sure that we are recognizing things that maybe can't speak the same dialect that I do to be able to understand them? Where am I going to make sure that I'm listening to what God is trying to speak through prophets living today and through the relationship that we have with our Lord and Savior ourselves and make sure that I'm not getting fixated on human things in the moment? How do I make that difference? One day at a time. One step at a time, working together with others. This is a challenging text. It's an uplifting text in certain ways, the other text outside the gospel, but I think the gospel is really where the rubber meets the road and really challenges us in a good way. So what's important? 
Are we going to listen to and look at the mounting evidence that's showing that we are having an impact on our climate and that it is nearing a tipping point that's going to drastically change everything forever? Or do we just go back to business as usual and ignore it? I don't think this is an individual question. This is a question that we need to answer as a community, as a world community, and hold each other accountable. So it's something to consider, something to think about, something to make sure that we aren't getting fixated on your niece slash daughter-in-law. That's a whole nother can of worms, but just not getting caught up in just the moment. So we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.